Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Shakes No Ship podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton, and today we are talking with uh, Rebecca Powers. Rebecca is the author of a book called Trust Your Cape, How Women Can Find Their Power in Giving Back. Now, these are two subjects, women and power and giving back, that are near and dear to my own heart. And so I was really intrigued to have this conversation with Rebecca about how we put the two of those two together. So welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity. No, I'm so happy to, that you were able to join us. So um, tell us a little bit about what your book is about. So in a nutshell, it is a memoir about a journey that I've been taking for about 18 years when I started a Mm -hmm. women's collective giving organization called Impact Austin back in 2003. And it chronicles my journey of starting, building, leading, and letting go of the Mm. organization and um, putting it in the hands of um, a younger generation to carry the legacy forward. The lessons I learned, uh, leadership lessons, um, how I found my voice, and um, realizing that uh, at 48 was the first time I'd ever given back to my community and um, what all I've been able to do since then because of that. I, I love this book so much because um, I feel like there are so many women and myself included in this where you reach a point in your life and you've been doing what you do. And then all of a sudden you get to this point where you're like, what is the meaning of everything? Like, how, like, how can I make the world better? Like, what legacy am I leaving behind? And then that usually prompts us to go off and do something, try to do something somewhere. So I love what you just said um, about chronicling your journey through like um, starting, building, um, leading, and then letting go. Like, like that is just such a beautiful metaphor of life, really. So tell me um, what, like, like, what was like, what was it inside of you that prompted you to even start down this path? Like, where were you at? And what, what did that look like for you? So I uh, sometimes refer to myself as an accidental philanthropist, because the reason that I started Impact Austin was um, the result of reading a magazine article. And um, I was on an airplane coming back from having seen my brother, who was 49 at the time, uh, for the last time. He was in the final stages uh-huh. of his fight with cancer. And uh, when I read this article, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can do what this lady did in Ohio in my city, which is Austin, Texas. And what that's going to do is allow me to focus on something positive and heal the hole in my heart. Uh. So I'm going to take on this idea for one year and everything will be fine. And 18 years later, it's still going. So the joke's on me. (laughs) Wow. So it it really kind of gained a life of its own. Yes. Yeah. And I was just going to say, and I think partly Um, It was the right time and the right people showed up to help me build this organization. So um, I always believe if you do the right things, the right things happen, not always when you want them to, but um, the the universe collided and um, or conspired, if you will. And exactly. um, That was very helpful. 
Yeah, because I, f- I find that true. It's like, you know, if you start taking the first steps towards something, you are amazed at the opportunities that will unfold in front of you um, as you take those steps. So when you when you started doing this, having had no experience at all with, you know, starting or running a charity, like what was the biggest challenge for you as you started navigating this path and how did you how did you get through it? So I would say the biggest challenge I had was uh, feeling like I didn't know enough to be able to get the organization off the ground. I had been in corporate sales. I sold uh, computers for a large computer corporation. That was my professional career. And um, I knew that I could get women excited about my idea What I didn't know was how I was going to make the idea work so that it was a good experience for everyone. So um, finding the right women who could complement what my strengths were um, was a challenge at times. And I have to say that my own insecurities about if I'm leading this, I have to have all the answers. And I didn't have all the answers. (sighs) Um, So that was a huge learning lesson. I am extremely persuasive in a sales realm, if you will, and I can get people to get excited about an idea that I have. But uh, when it comes to leading, that's just a different thing. And I Mm. have been told many times I was a leader and I started believing it, but it was because I was good at sales and I could get people to do you know, to do things. Yeah. So a lot of, um, that was probably my, my biggest challenge. And, you know, I will tell you the other thing. Um, uh, it became my mistress. This organization took all (laughs) of my extra time. And, um, we had at the time two young teenagers and, um, my husband had to pick up the slack and that wasn't something he had signed up for. So, outside of the actual organization, I had the family issues of Mm. uh, time and attention, which Mm. I chronicle in the book and and some of the lessons I learned. The the story ends nicely. So (laughs) that's the good news, but it was not always pretty. So that's a really um, common thing. Like I hear this with my clients and I hear this with other women who are you know, embarking on taking on big projects or chasing a dream or something like that. And it always comes down to this whole notion of, I don't have enough time or my family needs me or like, how do you, like, how did you navigate that? Like, what, what did that look like? And I know it takes a village, like it it takes all hands on deck to make anything work, but like, how did you manage that? Because I think too, what comes up for a lot of women is a lot of guilt that they're doing this, chasing this thing or doing this thing for themselves and taking time away from the family? You know, and Jennifer, that is such a good question. And I think I wrestle with um, what I still think was the right path for me, which is a little bit ego-driven, I have to say. But um, I had retired from my sales career and had been a stay-at-home mom for 10 years while my husband had flown around the world. He had an international responsibility 
and he was providing for our family, but he had experienced some really good success. I was mom and dad for 10 years, which we had agreed to. That wasn't the issue. But when it was my turn to fly and pursue an idea that I had fallen in love with, I, without getting agreement, just assumed that he would understand it was my turn for to Uh. um, step away a little bit from family duties and have him. um, He had also retired, uh, which he had declared before my brother died. So, you know, that which you know, he had already called what he was going to do. And I said, well, I think now that you're home, you can help take the kids to school. We didn't have bus service, uh, different things like that. Fixed dinner. He, he did laundry. He did amazing things. But um, I so selfishly thought what I was doing was good, which it was, but not always for my family. So, um, you know, my kids called me to attention by acting out, frankly. Mm. And um I had to learn painfully, um, you know, and it's kind of like if you had a do-over, right. <laughs> if, I, if I did it again, I probably would not have grown Impact Austin as quickly as I did. Um, we grew to 500 members in five years, which was just a, a huge um, challenge. And I didn't give up. And um, it was at the expense of some people that I love the most. Right. So So you would have paced it maybe a little bit more to be able to balance things a little bit better. Is that kind of what? Yes. And so here's the rub for me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I always (laughs) I never realized what role modeling was until the very first year I was putting Impact Austin together. Um, Christmas is the tradition that we celebrate in our home. And at Christmas, our 13-year-old daughter had saved up $100 by babysitting, doing chores around the house as a surprise to me and gave me $100 um, as a Christmas present and said, Mom, I want to be a member of Impact Austin when I grow up. But until then, here's $100 for paper clips. She just knew we had you know, office expenses. It was very sweet. And she said, mom, I've never seen you so happy. And what I realized was I, you know, I was giving back and I was happy. And and that positive aspect had um, fallen um, at my feet, according to my um, daughter's declaration. And and in that moment, I said, sweetie pie, you don't have to wait until you're an adult why don't you get your girlfriends together? And why don't you each bring $100 to the table, pool your money and give to an organization that works with kids or girls and do what I did, but at a smaller, um, in a smaller denomination. And she took me up on that and started a girls organization that looks like Impact Austin. And it was those things that I took as, okay, Rebecca, keep going, keep going. There's so much more you can do, Um, as opposed to kind of sitting in the joy Mm -hmm. and being able to really take in how it was positively changing our family. Instead, I just went at breakneck speed and um, satisfied myself. Yeah. And that's like you just mentioned an important, important 
point, and I know this is a lesson for me as well, too, is to really savor the moments along the way, because we get sometimes so goal focused that we're just like speeding along (laughs) and missing out on things that really like should be celebrated um, and just really absorbed. So yeah, that's interesting that you say that. Um, So tell us a little bit about like what Impact Austin is and how that came to be. Because I think this is like the power of this story is just, I think, so inspiring. That um, the the business model that we used, it's called a, a giving circle, if you want. We call it a collective giving organization. And um, it's a group of women. We each put in the same amount of money every year. Um, it is $1,250. $1,000 goes to the grant pool. And we give that money back to the community Um every year in the form of um, high impact grants. And the 250 uh, goes in the kitty to help us run the organization and pay our expenses. Um, Our first year, our goal, (laughs) the woman in Ohio had 123 women the first year. So we're like 124 is our goal. And it was just kind of a fun, let's see if we can find 124 women to each give uh, that money pool it and then give a single $124,000 grant uh, to a nonprofit that would apply to us. And we had a process that we created. Every woman in our organization gets one vote. We vet the applications. Women sit on grant review committees. So it's very participatory. And what um, that model is powerful because as a woman, I would say as an individual, if you give someone $1,000, whether you have to save all year to be able to make that contribution, or you could write 10 of those checks in five minutes, you care what somebody does with your Mm $1,000. And what that did our first year was um, it encouraged so many women to be a part of the decision-making because they did care that we vetted applications well and, and made good choices. We um, are willing to give grants in five different areas, and we declared that each of our grants would be a minimum of $100,000 because $100,000 can transform a nonprofit and give them an opportunity to really expand their services. And we had five different categories in which we were willing to give grants, so we needed to grow to 500 women so that we could give five $100,000 grants in each of our categories every year. And that jazzed me. I am all about the opportunity. And so we did, in fact, grow to 500 women in five years and gave $500,000 in uh, 2008 to uh, 100,000 to five different organizations. And here's what happened. We were not we still are not the usual suspects in town, the people who have deep pockets. We are, we call ourselves ordinary women making an extraordinary impact because we might individually not have personal wealth, but when we pool our resources, we have great wealth in common and um, we have a voice. And so those Mm. of us who didn't have a voice um, in the community previously feel like We've been empowered to really evaluate opportunities and make really good business decisions that will help nonprofits grow. So one of our grant recipients, I don't remember what year it was. It was kind of early on. 
the executive director said, I do not know what Kool-Aid you give your women, but it's special. And you have become an army of influence in, in our community. And thank you. And I think what I love about that is we each give the same amount of money. So there's no real hierarchy right. of certain women having more power than others. And um, that has been a magnet for attracting women who have never given before and they don't necessarily trust how money is given back to the community. So, um, and then women who have given, we do have women with deep pockets who have uh, been involved in the community. They love our process and the opportunity to meet women who believe in giving back whose paths they'd never cross uh -huh. if they weren't part a part of our organization. So lots of unintended, beautiful consequences that I, I was just trying to heal the hole in my heart, you know, do something positive once. And it, uh, it was an idea whose time had come. That is so beautiful on so many levels. I mean, the power of community, first of all, um, creating a level playing field for women of all economic circumstances to be able to come in and then make decisions that you can actually see impact your community. Like to be part of that. And I think that's what's uh, really been fun. We, we um, gave a grant to a, an environmental organization and uh, they needed to buy this long gooseneck trailer to be able to go to rural counties and get uh, recycling stuff that was going to go on the landfill. Otherwise, it was one of their uh, missions. And this long gooseneck trailer happened to be being pulled by a truck on Interstate 35 in downtown Austin. And one of our members said, I bought that gooseneck trailer. You know, I see my um, money at work. And that is just a great way for uh, it. It encourages women to come back and, um, you know, make a difference again the next year. And I could see how it would be very um, like contagious for lack of a better word right now. Like you, you know, see this group of women who are, you know, making a difference in the community and wanting to be part of that. And then, you know, getting to be part of the decision-making and seeing that, like, I can see how that would appeal to so many women. And there, um, and we did do some research before we actually rolled our business model out. Um, a couple of women, Martha Taylor being one of them, wrote um, the six C's of women's giving. And it's connecting, committing, creating, celebrating. Um, the, we made sure that Impact Austin incorporated each of those C's because mm -hmm. it is what draws women together. And um, the celebrating is something, you know, my husband's like, no, really, you go celebrate. I don't need to, you know, that's just not the way men generally give. People have said, you know, what if a man wanted to join? And in 18 years, um, we haven't had one who said, <laughs> I want to be a part of this. You know, it's like, I can't imagine sitting around a table and discussing, you know, grant applications. So um, this model really does fit women. And Jennifer, you know, as I was speaking earlier, let me tell you what, to me, the most powerful impact um, the organization has. The transformation is really on the giver. 
It's really on our members because here's what happens. They either have deep enough pockets that they continue to give to Impact Austin, but also know about nonprofits that um, align with their individual passions. They go give more money on their own to nonprofits they've heard about through the grant review process. And if women only have that $1,250 to give every year, they will leave Impact Austin and go give it directly to a nonprofit that they've learned about. So mm-hmm. they leave us, but that is new money in the community. It's a new donor for an organization. And sometimes they worry, oh, you know, I'm so sorry, but I only have this much money and I'm just not going to stay with Impact Austin. And our response always is, you know, we will find your replacement. We are a living, breathing organism. And the more women leave to go do good in the community, the better our community is. And it had never occurred to me in the beginning that that would be one of the things that happens that the nonprofits come back and tell us, you know, you won't believe how much money we've gotten from women who are members who have just donated on their own. And uh, we don't track it. But we know anecdotally that over the years, it's become a significant amount. Wow. That's pretty incredible. So that, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing because, you know, I've read, um, I think it was, an, um, it was, I think it was an old African quote or something, and I'm going to totally butcher it, but it's along the lines of um, um, empowering women um, has a ripple effect into their, into their community. Right. Like, so, you know, I think there are so many of us who think, oh, you know, I really should donate, you know, I should be better at this, or I should give more, give back more, but then we don't take the action on it. Right. This to me feels like a way that would just be, you know, building community, which also appeals to a lot of women, giving back, making it easy. Right. Like, yes. And, uh, it's, um, Making it fair. And when I say fair, um, I, it probably has a lot to do with how I thought of philanthropy, which I could never even pronounce before 2003, <laughs> um, that you had to have lots of money and that people gave, um, you know, there was a lot of favoritism and it, it was who you knew and that's how you got donations for your organization. And what Impact Austin has shown our members and the community that we're about funding an organization where our $100,000 will have the biggest impact and impact the most people. So it's not about the biggest nonprofit. It's not about um, Hmm. the most popular executive director. It's it's about um, making a difference. And our women are educated now because they sit on these review committees and feel like they make, you know, and they learned how to read financial statements, which they're like, there's no way you can teach me to do that, but it's part of the process. And all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of, um, it's, they're like, well, I can do this. So they, wow. Um, wow. So they are giving, uh, getting as much as if not more well, than what they're giving. Yeah. In different, obviously in different ways, but yeah, I mean, that's powerful. And like, how did you go about recruiting members? Like, what did that, what did that look like? So 
I have been an entrepreneur since I was 12 when my mom told me that I could not get the bikini that I wanted. And so I started a little day camp for kids. She said, if you um, if you earn the money, you can buy it yourself. And she knew I had none. So I did a camp. I ended up getting that bikini. Uh, but over my life, I've had some different opportunities and I sold high quality kitchen tools as a kitchen consultant for Pampered Chef. Um, for a few years in in my life. And what I learned in that, in building my business, is that it was cool to have a kitchen show in a woman's home and I sold lots of products. I was good at that. But if I didn't find two women in that room who wanted to have a kitchen show in their house, my business wouldn't grow. So my goal always was to make sure when I did a show that there were women who wanted to help me keep my business going. We used that same approach in uh, inviting women to join Impact Austin. And there were six of us on our board. We each invited four women to a coffee where we only serve wine because that works really well and uh, told our story. Didn't know if they could afford a thousand or not, but we knew that even if they had to tell us no, they would be kind. And our first time out, we needed that. And 23 of those 24 women invested in Impact Austin our first time out. And that gave us a ton of confidence. And what we said was, not only are we glad you did, but would each of you go back home and invite 10 of your friends into your house? And we will come share the Impact Austin story and invite them to be a part of our impact and that's what I did as a, as a Pampered Chef consultant. And so um, over time, we did coffee after coffee after coffee. And um, our first year, I would say one of the six of us on our board knew one of the members. You know, the spokes of the wheel hadn't gone out that far. Right. But our second year, we had women we didn't know who wanted to tell their friends. And so we, we just recruited in small groups. And um, it, it was really powerful. Um, we told our story. We told them the impact we made and how they could um, be a member. And um, it was exhausting. That's why I was not home a lot, because right. I was out at night sharing our, our story. Right. But it worked. That's a lot of wine, too. <laughs> well, and I, had, I think I even say in my book, I had to promise myself that I would not have any wine. And that I would not eat any food. And typically we didn't want them to have much food because right. it wasn't about that. But um, it was just already my life is out of control because I was eating lunch in my car as I was answering phone calls, which I shouldn't have been doing. Um, but yes, but I said, you know, Reb, you just you cannot partake because <laughs> I'd be out three or four nights a week. Yeah. yeah. Get some bad habits there. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of the things that I love about your story is, um, and I say this all the time, people who listen to this podcast regularly will, will have heard me say this before, is that whenever you get a vision or an idea, like you are never given a vision or an idea or something on your heart that you don't already have the skills to, to bring to life. Like you might not think you do, but you actually do. And I'm listening to you share your story. And I'm like, it's like everything that led to that point was exactly what you needed 
to build the thing that you built, like to, to find that purpose, to find that meaning that you were craving, you know, in the loss of your brother. And this, again, it's just, and I see this all the time. It's like life does not, the universe does not give you these dreams without the ability to deliver them. And we have to trust in that. Even when we don't believe it, we have to trust in it so hard and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And Jennifer, that is such a good reminder. And, and I love that, that you say that all the time, because I would say it wasn't until probably, I don't know, maybe the third year of running the organization, I looked back and went, oh my gosh, everything I've done up until now is what prepared me for this moment. Mm -hmm. And to, um, to savor it and to understand that, and, and you are so right. Even if I didn't have what I needed, the universe helped me find what I needed to, to make the organization go. And, um, and I am, I, I think that uh, what holds us back is all of the negative self-talk. What if, you know, I've never done that before. And I, my personality is such that I'm a real doer and I'll leap before I even know yeah. what's beneath me. Um, but that has served me well. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, if there's any, if there is one ingredient that we're missing in this vision or dream that we have, it's trust and belief in ourselves, right? Like to be able to keep taking the steps forward and trusting that like, I got this, I got this. <laughs> and you know, that's what, um, so when I talk about trusting my cape, the, the title mm -hmm. of the book um, you know, my cape for me is really my power and it is trusting the strengths that I have. That's what's woven into the cape. And, um, and so I, and I may not have all the answers, but I know that my cape will help me find them before I land and it will help me land safely. Ooh. And it's really, it's really what's on the inside. You know, it's what whispers to me, keep going, even when it's hard. And, I believe we all have a cape. We just don't Dude. always focus on our strengths and our power. We spend a lot of time trying to improve our weaknesses. And um, for some reason, we're more comfortable doing that. But I, uh, for whatever reason, trusted my, my cape and mm -hmm. my powers. And it, um, it's been a really good partner. That's, that is so amazing and so inspirational. Um, talk to me a little bit about letting go. So you've built this incredibly impressive organization, which is having an amazing impact in your community. And then you make the decision to let go, which like from, for a lot of us, letting go is probably the hardest thing most of us any, ever do with anything. So how do you give up your baby? Like how do you, what prompts you to say, okay, I need to step back. So I will say, first of all, that's where that is when all of my hardest lessons came is letting go mm. because my head knew it, but my heart, it took my heart longer to let go. Intellectually, I knew it was the right thing to do. I had promised myself that when the pain of leading Impact Austin outweighed the joy that was the day it was time to move on because it meant I was doing things that I didn't necessarily like and that probably were not relying on my strengths. I'm a builder. I'm an entrepreneur. I don't mind a mess, 
But when then you want to make it neat and tidy and have the engine run real well, that's just not exciting to me. But there are others who do that really well. Mm -hmm. And so I knew the time had come and I knew it was time and I gave the organization um, ample notice. What I didn't do or appreciate um, is that it is really hard to, um, to succeed a founder of an organization, especially someone like myself, where I'm out there talking a lot and I was identified, you know, they'd go impact Austin equals Rebecca Powers, which was never what I wanted long-term and it is not that way now. But I was so worried that there wouldn't be anybody who could have as much passion as I did about the model and mm. the, you know, um, how we would keep this going for a long time. And so um, I didn't necessarily have the right people on our board who were um, uh, veterans of doing a transition from a founder, because there are some unique issues with that. And I wasn't all that well behaved. Uh, my ego got in the way. Um, my, my fears got in the way. And um, I, I learned some really tough life lessons that are so valuable. And uh, the organization now, most of the members are like, uh, Rebecca Powers, I know the name, but I've never seen her before, you know, and that's a good thing. That means it's not, it's not mine. Um, I wrote a letter. It's in the, um, I had written some blogs that I never published. And one was a, a letter to Impact Austin saying goodbye. I just wrote it one night with tears streaming and just saying, you know, I knew you before you were born. I've raised you uh, as an adolescent. You weren't all that compliant, but you're a young adult now. <laughs> and just all that, you know, tried to relate it to a, to a child and um, that I would always be here and I would always be cheerleading, but it was time for someone else to make the decisions. And that was pretty cathartic. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, it is very much like raising, like birthing and raising a child and then sending them out into the world. Right? Yes. Yes. So yes. what was your number one lesson? You said you learned some important lessons in the letting go. What was your number one lesson? Um, first of all, that um, to trust that other people did have impact Austin's best interest uh. in mind, number one. And number two, that those, uh, some decisions that were made, you know, I was not a part of them and I was not included. And that was the best thing for the organization. But I, it was really, really hard not to know what was going on. Um, I, we did not, it took us a couple of, I was unpaid as the executive director. And so we did know that when I retired, we would have to pay someone. And um, we had to raise a considerable amount of money because we wanted someone who was good and you have to pay for right. what, you, what you want. And so that got a little tricky. And um, in hindsight, I would have paid myself something just so that it wasn't such a shock to our members when they had to start ponying up to help, you know, pay for gotcha. leadership. And I think just uh, being quiet and actually standing on the sidelines, like I promised I would do with really big pom-poms, but that my pom-poms were the only noise I would make. 
my mouth would not open. Mm. <laughs> and um, that was, you know, that was, that was hard. Yeah. I always say you learn the most about yourself in the process of letting go of anything, right? Whether it's your kids, whether it's like a failed relationship, like a business, whatever, that's when you really, really come to understand things about yourself that maybe some of them you didn't really want to know. (laughs) Yes, that yes. And I did, um, I don't know when the epiphany came, but I um, I'm an evangelist. When I love something, I tell everybody. And so I would tell anybody I saw about Impact Austin and to see if they were interested in joining. By the same token, I was mourning the loss of my pulpit, if you will. And, um, I wasn't going to get to share the Impact Austin story and get women to join. But what I didn't realize is that I still got to share the Impact Austin story It was just with women in other cities who knew about us, who said, well, we want to start this in our city. And I got to go inspire them. Um, Mm. I didn't do anything for them. It was like, you get your group together and I'll tell you kind of how we did it and um, inspire you to keep going. So I still got to tell the Impact Austin story. It was Mm. just um, in a different way. Nice. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's what. And that's what brings me um, the most joy now is, is sharing and inspiring women in other places to do this. So um, if there are women listening who are like, oh my goodness, I would love to create this to my, for my community, kind of what are the one or two first steps you would recommend for them? So this is what I did. I'll just, yes, this is what I did is Um, I got very excited about it. And so I told everyone I knew what my idea was. And I was copying it from the lady in Ohio. But I said, you know, what do you think? Uh, Talk me off the edge of the cliff with my cape on, you know, if you think I'm crazy. But if not, um, I'm going to ask you if you would like to, um, you know, join me and Mm -hmm. and invest. And so... um, telling everybody, getting lots of ideas and, and finding the people whose eyes sparkle when you tell them Mm. your idea, because they're, they're going to be the people that are going to help you build it. And, um, I just never quit talking. And I honestly didn't care what the response was, um, because no was as, as helpful to me as yes. Um, because then I knew it was people I didn't you know, want to try and convince. The other thing we did is a ton, we got online. Um, Back then, Google wasn't the thing. But we found um, other women who were doing this and took best practices from them. And we did what I encourage other women to do, which is, um, is find organizations that are doing things that you think you would like to do and just ask questions. People love to be helpful. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't afraid because I didn't know what to do. So I called the founder of that organization that her her article was in People Magazine. I called People Magazine, who I would never do this in my, I, I, that's why I knew I was supposed to and said, can you connect me with that woman? And they did. And so she got me started and said, you know, you need to find a book on how to start a nonprofit. Here's what I recommend. And we were off and running. So, um, but it's finding your posse too. Yeah. So just reaching out, telling people, gathering community. Yeah. That's amazing. 
and, and being willing to learn. And, uh, you know, one of the lessons, Jennifer, I'm sorry, all of this is coming to me real time. Yeah, no, no, this is perfect. Um, here's what I wished I had done more of in the beginning is feel comfortable saying, I don't know. Mm. Instead of feeling like if I'm the leader, I had to have all the answers. I had said that earlier, but I, in, but it, it comes in the form of, I don't know. Will you help me? And if I had done that more, um, a few things would have been easier. We still did a great job, but that those are the uh, those are the things that I'm not afraid to say now. Yeah, and again, that's so interesting because um, I find for some reason, especially as women, we have a really hard time asking for help, right? Like we feel like we have to shoulder everything that we have to do it on our own to make it meaningful. And I think what you have just shared today is like, well, first of all, the power of community, but also asking, like saying, I don't know, can you help me with this? Like, and just like putting yourself out there because you've been given the vision, but like you didn't, you haven't, you haven't gotten all the, you don't have all the answers, but the answers are available to you. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, I think um, what was fun about Impact Austin, at least for us, is that we were not known women in town. There was um, some safety in that because if we failed, it wasn't like our reputations were going to be diminished because we didn't really have reputations in the community. There was something freeing about that. We, as our um, founding group of six, said uh, we need to put three good years together and we need to not have any hiccups so that the community begins to trust us. And they need to know that they can count on Impact Austin putting a grant in the community. So we had that and we had sharp business women. We had all the right women. We just weren't known. So we got questions a lot like, are you really up to this? Do you really know what you're doing? And we're just like, hey, I guess you'll have to apply to find out, <laughs> you know, the nonprofits. I mean, and, and that was our Love way it. of proving really, because they, they didn't know who we were and wondered how we could have come up with this, which was amazing. kind of fun. Yeah, this is such an amazing story. So inspiring. Um, everybody who is listening, I encourage you to go um, get Rebecca's book, um, an incredibly inspiring story, Trust Your Cape, How Women Find Their Power in Giving Back. And where can they find you, more about you and your book? And They can, um, they can find the book on Amazon. That's where it is sold. And uh, they can go to impactaustin.org. Okay. And um, we have a, there's a landing page about Trust Your Cape. Um, as a matter oh, of fact, perfect. our podcast will show up on there. And um, you can learn more about me and more, even more about the organization. Amazing. Okay. Well, we'll make sure that we put all of this in the show notes so it's easy for people to find. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing this amazing story. Um, any final words or anything we didn't touch on that you would like to share with my audience of reinventing midlife women? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what just keeps coming to mind is it is never too late to start. Um, I didn't necessarily think of that when I was starting this. It's just when my brother was, you know, in his in his last chapter of life. It's never too late to start. And doing something helps you find your voice. And when you find your voice, uh, you're unstoppable. Oh, 
That is such a beautiful quote. I'm going to have to use that one. (laughs) I'm going to have to pluck that. I'll give you credit, but that is a really amazing quote. (laughs) Yeah. Just, and I think that's the, you know, I've just, um, been empowered as an ordinary woman and and we all have the the ability we just gotta um tell ourselves yes instead of no and take the first step give ourselves permission to take that first step yes thank you give ourselves permission yeah yeah so thank you thank you so much again we'll make sure that all of this information gets in the show notes and until next time everybody we'll see you later